That talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Back to your Wednesday Buckeye Talk, one day away from driving the bus. Oh, man, I feel like we could get a bus. Nathan, how huge would that be if we pulled up at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center in a bus with a Buckeye Talk logo painted on the side? And then we had a bullhorn and we we yelled for like the guys that we were driving the bus for. It'd be like, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, please report to the parking lot. Right. It'd be like, who are our guys? It'd be, and all the players would come out and they'd be so excited and it would be a moment. And then they would get on the bus and then we'd go to like Canes or whatever, and then come back. And then that would be it. And, but we could also, our most loyal Buckeye talk listeners could also be on the bus. They could try to get their guys on the bus. Maybe we could go to an amusement park next year. <laughs> next next year yeah we'll just keep pushing that off into the future i mean i think in the in the era of name image and likeness we can get like big you can big heads you know it's like a big garrett wilson face affixed to the side of the bus we're going to talk about overall defensive overview over overall because we talked to jim Knowles on tuesday and he dropped some knowledge on us we're gonna dig into the linebackers also on this podcast driving the bus will be the thursday podcast i also will say when i was driving home the other day I was at a stoplight and I looked to my right and the car to my right, the driver had a giant like plastic head of herself, like probably four times the size of her normal head. Like you would hold up at a college basketball game or something. And she had it pressed against the driver's side window. So it was staring at me. So then when I looked over, I jumped because there was this giant face staring at me and then they were laughing and I was laughing and it was silly but it must be a thing that are the young people, Stephen, do you drive around with a huge face of your face that I don't know. Is this a thing? Was I TikToked? I don't know what it was, but <laughs> was I TikToked? <laughs> I don't know what That's happened. Like the oldest thing anyone has ever said. <laughs> is this a thing? Most of the time when there's a thing happening that I'm like, what is this? And then my kids always say, it's a TikTok. Stephen, is that a TikTok? Get a face of your own face and drive around with it and scare people. Um, I don't think so. Okay. Well, maybe it's just a, then maybe it's just a silly little prank and I appreciate it. Well, good for them. I, I found it amusing. It, I wasn't driving at the time, so I didn't drive off the road or anything. It would just seem like a lot of work. So anyway, be on the lookout. <laughs> Older people, be on the lookout for young people with faces of their faces. Nathan, Jim Knowles, what'd you get? Like half an hour? Roughly? Yeah, half hour. Yeah. All right, so Jim Knowles is the linebackers coach, so we talked to him because we talked to linebackers, but he's also the coach of everybody else. Head coach of the defense, some might say. So Drop some knowledge. Drop some knowledge. You and Steven parked there the whole time. You got the whole Jim Knowles experience. I was sort of scatting around a little bit, so I don't know everything that he said. Take us through, Nathan. What's the, what are the most important things that we learned about this defense talking to the defensive coordinator? Well, I think the thing that jumps to the forefront is something we already knew was an issue, which was cornerback depth. We talked about the fact that there were only six scholarship cornerbacks on this team. One of them is already banged up, at least one of them that we know of, Jordan Hancock, who it looks like some kind of a lower leg injury, a calf injury, something. He's been seen after practice and looked like he was limping a little bit. Something's wrapped there. And when he was asked today specifically about Jordan Hancock, Jim Knowles said, you know, that's above my pay grade as far as whether that's going to be a long-term injury 
or not. Uh, if it is, if it's something that really lingers into the season, it's uh, potentially a hit for Ohio State, um, which was counting on him to potentially move up and be one of its top three cornerbacks this year, maybe make a move into being something beyond that. And with Cam Brown's own injury history, not to pick on that guy, because I think he was very good last year when he played, but just with his injury history, uh, that's a position you're already feel worried about how thin it is having only six guys, two of which are true freshmen. And now you're taking out a potentially dynamic person there. So that's just something to, for us to monitor the rest of camp. Um, if you, we see him back out there and practicing and it looks like he's coming along, uh, that's good. If this is something that you're getting ready to play Notre Dame and there are still questions about whether Jordan Hancock can play, I think that's a problem for Ohio State. I know it's just a thing that people say, but the next time Jim Knoll says that's above my pay grade, I'm going to say you're the head coach of the defense and you make $2 million a year. No, it's not. That, that, that You can't say that. Because if you're the head coach of the defense, then you're allowed to talk about everything on the defense. Steven, is this more unfortunate for Jordan Hancock, who is in year two and everybody is excited about, and he is excited to have an opportunity. And it certainly seemed like there was room for him to have a role in this defense. Is that more what this is, or is this a potential real problem for the Ohio state defense? If he is out for games for some period of time, both. I think are true in this situation because it feels like Jordan Hancock was ready to take that next step as a second year top 100 recruit that um, we've all talked about event and what he might be able to do. And he flashed a lot in the spring game and in the spring in, in general. Uh, but then from a team perspective, I mean, Cameron Brown and Denzel Burke are proven and everybody else in that room is not proven at this point. And in the way Nathan asked about JK Johnson and he said, it's too, too soon, which, uh, that can mean a lot of things. We can come back two weeks from now and J.K. Johnson's right on track and it really doesn't matter because they at least got three guys. But as of right now, if Jordan Hancock isn't as close to 100% as possible when we get to that Notre Dame game, you're walking into that game expecting Denzel Burke and Cameron Brown to play a lot of snaps. But because- is that not what we're maybe expecting anyway? No, I think at, at bare minimum, we were expecting some level of a three-man rotation, especially since Cameron Brown's got his own injury history where you can't just throw him out there and go play 65-plus snaps because he probably his body won't hold up if you do that. So, no, I think at bare, we were going to see a three-man rotation at, at bare minimum and Jordan, with Jordan Hancock, Cam Brown, and Denzel Burke. And if J.K. Johnson could make this a four-man thing, that would have just been a bonus. It'll be better than it was in week one last year. When it was Denzel Burke, welcome to college, play every snap, and let's play Ryan Watson, Legend Cavazos as the next guys. It'll be better than that. It'll be better than the corners were in the Oregon game when it was mostly those same guys. Um, obviously, it's unfortunate. We were not. We talked. We've talked a lot about Jordan Hancock and how good everybody thinks he's going to be, and how impressed the coaches were, and he's a top 100 recruit, and this is his time. And they only have six scholarship cornerbacks, and two of those six are true freshmen, and you go Denzel Burke, Cam Brown, Jordan Hancock, J.K. Johnson, and then it gets very questionable very quickly. So, Nathan, right, that idea of, well, the Jordan, if Jordan Hancock can't play against Notre Dame, now you are, I think, officially potentially like one alien abduction away of Cam Brown or Denzel Burke of really being in the woods on this. Like you could really be playing some guys who maybe you're not so sure about. 
But if not, like if Denzel Burke and Cam Brown are healthy, they could be fine and then hope that Jordan Hancock, as they play Arkansas State and Toledo, heals up and gets ready. And then by the time they get to October, it's all good. Like that's possible, right? Yeah, and I think here is where we should also talk about the, the corollary to all this. In addition to because of this depth problem that they have, he mentioned up front that they were repping Cam Martinez and Jansen Dunn, two safeties at cornerback. And that obviously sets off an alarm in our ears whenever we hear we're, they're trying to play Cam Martinez somewhere where he might actually get on the field because it's something that we've been kind of uh, campaigning for a little bit, like find this guy a place to play. And so now I know it's a, it's sort of a new thing, although he has practiced at cornerback before as a true freshman, like it's, it's a new place to shuffle him around. But if there were a long-term problem, if there really were a long-term issue at for depth at cornerback, I think you can see a path for Cam Martinez to make an impact. You don't have to squint very hard for that to make sense in in people's eyes. I mean, we've seen him on the field make plays in games, in actual Ohio State football games last year. And he just needs an opportunity to do that more and maybe a place where he can really, you know, sink his teeth into. And again, so now it does sound contradictory, right? It's like, well, it's a brand new thing. They're trying with him five days into camp and we'll see if something happens from that. But anytime you're hearing that, that he could be in the mix to do the things that Jim Knowles says he can do, I mean, Jim Knowles was talking him up about his quickness, his toughness, his mental attitude, his, um, you know, everything, you know, it's calling him a playmaker. I mean, he, he clearly sees what I think a lot of people see in Cam Martinez. And now it's just a matter of could he make the transition in time to be if he needed to be, maybe he could be that third or fourth guy if necessary early in the season. And we call, we call that now like a move from safety to corner, but he's also playing slot corner, right? It's nickel safety. It's you are lined up with the slot receiver. You're playing man or zone, but you have responsibility of coverage responsibilities. And so, you know, when Sean Wade moved outside, right? Sean Wade was in the slot and then he moved outside to outside corner. It wasn't like we acknowledge his position switch and his different different skills, kind of obviously different movements, but it's kind of the same. Cover that guy, right? So, so again, that it's not like I, I do think it would be different. It's not like they're asking Ronnie Hickman to play corner, right? Like they're asking, or, yeah, like, or, or a linebacker. Like they're not. Yeah. Right. It's not a it's not a foreign concept. So, so it's possible that's okay. I do think. I mean, the bottom line is they are short enough on depth there that I don't think they can handle two guys missing, right? If, if they're missing two, now you're, you're completely out of wiggle room. And if one of those two is Burke or Brown, and it doesn't sound necessarily like Jim Knowles is saying, throw JK Johnson on the field. Now you're really in, you have a situation, but so far, maybe they could handle one. And I do think, Stephen, your point about you don't want Cam Brown playing 65 snaps. You don't want Cam Brown playing 65 snaps for 12 weeks, right? I do think that's true. Mm-hmm. If he has to do it against Notre Dame, I, I think it might be okay. But if Jordan Hancock, for some reason, and we are nowhere near this, but if he's abducted by aliens, that's a real issue. If he's borrowed by aliens, if he's on vacation with aliens for three weeks but the aliens promised to bring him back then then maybe it's doable nathan again 
what yeah. they wound up doing at corner against Minnesota last year blows your mind looking back on it. Like that's the bottom. That's as as nuts as corner for an opener can be for Ohio State. It's going to be better than that at the very least because Denzel Burke has been on a football field before. It'll be better than that. I would argue that Notre Dame is potentially much better than Minnesota was last year, though. So no, 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 no question there. No question there. But yeah, Notre Dame's very good. Notre Dame's like a top five team. They aren't necessarily a receiver driven team, but yeah. So it's not the kind, you know, what are you going to do? We, we have all these offseason conversations and you never, we talk about alien abductions all the time on here, but then still when they happen, you're kind of like, what? And it's like, well, it's part of the deal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's five practices into 25, several weeks to go here. Not anything maybe to be in crisis mode about, but I think this defense just needs momentum. And that seemed to be a big piece of momentum from the spring. The Jordan Hancock was arriving. He was impressing. He looked like he was really, he looked the part. He looked like he belonged at the top of a big 10 defense. And now if that's taken out of this mix, even for a little while, it it feels like a pretty big setback. And we thought, I mean, certainly Jordan Hancock completely healthy, maybe would have won a starting job over Cam Brown. But at the moment, Jordan Hancock is either your second or third best corner. Given them the fact that he hasn't really played and Cam Brown's been around forever, let's call Jordan Hancock Ohio State's third best corner. If Ohio State lost its third best safety, they'd be fine. If Ohio State lost its third best linebacker, they'd be fine. If Ohio State lost its third best defensive end, they would miss him, but they'd survive. And if Ohio State lost its third best defensive tackle, they'd be fine. So if you were going to lose your third best guy at any defensive position, this is not where they would want it to be. So that's because again, the depth, you really only have, you only have four guys and maybe four that's counting JK Johnson, who Jim Knoll says it's too early on. So maybe it's three, maybe you really only have three outside corners to play two spots. And now one of them has a calf injury. So not ideal. Can they beat Notre Dame without Jordan Hancock? Yes, I don't think it, I don't think it, like, Steve, does it fundamentally change the matchup, right? Like, I know what you're saying, but I think the defense could still mostly do what it wants to do without him for that week. Yes, because of what Notre Dame's personnel is. I don't want to say you're fine, but, you know, it's not like you're facing Ohio State's wide receiving core September 3rd where you need a deep cornerback room. It's almost as if, and they lost Court Williams that week. Then you'd be a little bit more on, on alert because that's a guy who might be able to you know, cover some of those Notre Dame tight ends. And so I do agree. They sh- if As long as this isn't something that lingers, and he, he did look like he practiced the last two days. I will say that as well. I didn't look like he was just standing around or was yeah. off in a treatment room doing something else. It just looks like you know he was gingerly walking after practice. But as long as this isn't something that is a long-term issue, um, I know he used the word long-term, but literally a long-term issue, meaning George Hancock's missing multiple games because of this long-term, they should be fine. Even if we get to September 3rd and then av- uh, that availability report comes out and he's not on it. Oh, yeah, he, may, he may have been getting side work. I'm not sure. We'll get another look at practice, not until Monday. So we'll see what he looks like on Monday. I will say your point about the receiving core is taken. However, 
uh, OSU was getting ripped pretty well on the edge last year by the run against both Minnesota and, and Oregon. And I think cornerback play was a factor. For sure. For sure. I'm not sure that, I mean, my guess would be that Cam Brown and Denzel Burke are maybe more yes. qualified to do that as guys who have been on the field before. Because yes. part of the reason they were getting killed on the edge at corner was because they were playing guys who had never played corner, like had barely mm-hmm. had reps. Yes. So, but just but anyway, it's not all coverage. It's just, it's, it's, it's kind of like the first thing, right? We're how many days, five, six days into preseason camp. It's kind of like the first thing that's popped up, which is yep. why it's sort of, and he's like, a name that people have been excited about. So yep. we don't want to overdo it. We're not telling you Jordan Hancock is out for the season. We're not telling you Jordan Hancock is out for the Notre Dame game. We're just telling you Jordan Hancock is limping. <laughs> That's all. We're yeah. not telling you he's out for tomorrow. We're just yes. telling you which, something's going on there. Which tells you how healthy this team has been. Everybody but Mitchell Melton came in the fall camp participating. So the first thing that pops up with injury is a kid was limping and some people just happened to catch it. Yeah. Be on the lookout for limping. That's why we're there. Okay. That was kind of the big headline of Jim Knowles. $2 million a year head coach of the defense. It's not above your pay grade. What is next, Nathan? What, what, what's the next most interesting, important thing Jim Knowles talked about? I mean, do we want to talk about your, yeah. your question about Court Williams? and Because you've been very much, I don't want to jump ahead of what could be coming Thursday. I don't know if you're driving a bus for Court Williams. Oh, oh, oh. You've oh, at no. least been, you've at least had, you at least went and, and signed up as an Uber driver and you have the app oh. hoping he pings you. Maybe like, we should call it that. Going on. Like it'd be like taxi cab confessional, kind of like a, like an Uber. Like, yeah, maybe it's driving the we Uber. got to stop. Like, Who would you pick up? Who would you pick up in your Uber? I don't like that we're bouncing around from like OnlyFans to taxi cab confessions. Like I just, <laughs> I need, I'm just looking for a little, it. I need a little scratch on the side. I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to get a little bonus cash for Dougie boy. So court Williams. So I asked Jim Knowles, are you in camp starting to get ready for the idea of you may face teams early in the season when you want to have three linebackers on the field? And I don't think I said them, but obviously that's specifically to me, Notre Dame and Wisconsin, where that could be a possibility. And as Stephen pointed out, they might play four linebackers against Wisconsin. Who knows? But it feels like you might face some teams with who are going to run two tight ends and who are not going to have a slot receiver out there. And as Jim Knowles talked about, you know, in the big 12, when teams use 12 personnel, which is that two tight end, it was like a fake 12. It wasn't really that. It was just that you have a tight end, but you're still splitting him out in the slot. He's not putting his hand on the ground. He's still running a route. You can cover that guy with a nickel safety in the Jim Knowles defense. The Big Ten runs real 12. Notre Dame and Wisconsin will run real 12. So then do you want a safety out there or do you want a third linebacker out there? So I didn't know. It's like, hey, you know, you're just kind of doing fundamentals in camp. He said, no, 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 we got to be thinking about that. We're starting to get ready for that, right? That's one of the things they're working on. But he said, maybe... We don't have a third linebacker out there because we have safeties who could do the same thing. And he mentioned Court Williams and Lathan Ransom. So that the idea is at the moment, it's like Proctor and Hickman deep, Tanner McAllister as the nickel safety covering that slot receiver. You take Tanner McAllister off the field, but instead of putting Reed Carrico or Neote Tote, damn it, I talked to him. I, I, it's, the, it's my worst name that I've ever had here. I, I really Neo apologize. You can just call him EA. EA, can I just call him EA? That's what they call him. He's such a swell fellow. I I talked with him at the interviews on Tuesday. What a pleasant person he is. It is not a sign of disrespect. It is a sign of my lack of of, uh, 
talkiness. If, if it could be him. G is an, if you just pretend the G is an N, then it kind of works out phonetically. So he's a nice guy. It could be him. It could be Taraji Mitchell. We don't know. But Jim Knoll says it might be a safety, which is like bullet alert, bullet alert, bullet alert. Let's take a safety and have him do linebacker things, which makes so much sense to me. But also it sort of might not eliminate the discussion, but really ramp down the discussion of that third linebacker spot because it's like, oh, no, well, the third linebacker is a safety. It's a different safety. It's going to be a box safety, not a nickel safety. You're going to have responsibilities for tight ends and stopping the run. You're not going to be dealing with a slot receiver, but it's Court Williams and maybe Lathan Ransom. But Nathan, when he says Court Williams, it just, it's all I want. My birthday is this month. That's all I want. I just want Court Williams to play a position in this defense that fits his skill set. And by the way, someone tagged me in this. I think it was a Buckeye Talk listener. The Broncos are, I don't know if they're experimenting with it or just doing it, moving Baron Browning to rush end. And everybody was like, my gosh, he's great there. And it's like, could it's what are we seven years into this? And we're finally figuring out that Baron Browning's not a middle linebacker. My God, <laughs> that's all I want. Please use this guy the way he feels like he can really be effective. And Nathan, as you pointed out, that's kind of what he was in the Rose Bowl against Utah. And he was doing stuff like knifing into the backfield and making ankle tackles on people. And it's like, yes, yes, yes. Can he cover a tight end? Yes. Can he play in the run game? Yes. Is he big enough, physical enough to do all that? Can he move in space? Yes, 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 yes. And I'm not sure exactly who that linebacker is. Might be Neotote. It might be Taraja Mitchell. It might be Reed Carrico. But you start kind of wondering. And then all of a sudden, if you say, no, it's Court Williams, it's like, oh, it's Court Williams. And Nathan, it just feels right. Yeah, they, they definitely did some of that in the Rose Bowl. And some of it was the matchup because of you know Utah being a but which is the whole point but that's yeah. the whole point for the matchups yes right, there were right, teams right. That, yeah now, now there were some other factors going on in the rose bowl marcus williamson uh, was Didn't no longer with the team and lathan ransom gets hurt and now you had to get a little bit creative with that spot but it, it made perfect sense for that matchup and i what's interesting to hear Knowles talk about is we had already talked about this with taraja mitchell maybe we'll talk about him more later but we had gotten ahead of ourselves on that and i had asked him today about the concept of being like the next Justin Hilliard and and being able to sort of take this role and only playing it maybe a couple games a year, but still being able to have a huge impact by just having that role for a couple games. And and as you're saying, maybe that actually won't even come to fruition if they decide to do something like this. But now if that's Court Williams, at least it's giving a guy something to wrap his arms around in three games a year, but still potentially be a defensive star for three games a year or be a huge, a huge reason why they would win big games. I mean, it's not like they're going up against uh, a, a Mac team that they're going to beat. They're, they're favored by eight touchdowns and they just happen to use three tight ends. So that's why they need a, a bigger guy to play that spot. It's, it's the biggest games on their schedule. It's Notre Dame. It's Wisconsin. It's maybe Iowa, like who knows who else. So that it, it's, it's, it becomes intriguing, even going back to what I was saying before about Cam Martinez and looking at him somewhere else. Like, how are you going to get potentially dynamic guys on the field? It's weird to think about their defense all of a sudden, especially that safety situation where it's been so thin for a couple of years. And it seems like they've almost been like casting about for any solution and now there's almost uh, this abundance of guys 
to the point where someone like Court Williams started to look a little boxed out, now you could envision a different role where he gets to make an impact. It sounds like Jim Knowles doesn't want to put more than two linebackers on the field if he didn't have to. And Court Williams gives him the ability to not have to do that. He wants to stay in that four two five as much as possible and that, but then also he doesn't want to take his best players off the field. And if he feels like Court Williams being on a tight end is better than putting Reed Carrico, EA or Taraja Mitchell as the Sam's on it, then he's going to do that because Court Williams gives it because he almost, I mean, he's 220. So he's 15 pounds away from some of these other linebackers. So he's not far off. And that is what they recruited him here for to be that safety who can do some linebacker st- stuff. And from the way he was talking, Lathan Ransom um, can do a little bit of that, of that too. So it's like the more safeties you can have on the field, the better. And Jim knows his mind, the way he talks about some of this stuff, which is interesting for a guy whose position co- room right now is a linebacker room. I mean, every time you see Court Williams just walking around, it's hard to not think of him as a linebacker. I know. I can't in, do it. Walking into the hotel on Sunday night, I was. he looks he like, looks more, like linebacker, father, looks more linebackery man. than a lot of the linebackers. He looks like he looked like he was there to pick up his child on Sunday. He didn't look like he was checking in. He did come back out to pick up his wings and we got like mm-hmm. one of the first smiles I've ever seen out of Court Williams yep. ever around the Ohio State football program since we've been around him uh, when someone asked him about getting his chicken wings so he can smile a safety on your rosters a linebacker in our hearts Court Williams let's do it let's let's be about this I think I think this makes a lot of sense I just want to make sure he's kind of I want him in the box. I want him near the line of scrimmage. I want him like making plays in the run game. I don't, I don't, I just, we we still have to see just, you know, how they deploy all these guys, but I don't just want him kind of floating around. I want him doing stuff. And so, you know, maybe there'll be times when he's one of the two deep safeties where he really has an opportunity to do that and it'll work out great. But like that role, and by the way, the discussion of like, Hey, he's going to be a safety there, a third linebacker, all the, Probably going to have to do is covered Notre Dame's best player. <laughs> it's like, oh, who's that? Who's that? Cover the best. Michael Mayer is the second best tight end in the country behind Brock Bowers. Like he's he's their best offense. He's their best player overall. I think he's their best player on either side of the ball, and that's what this discussion is. And you can't you can't put Jack Sawyer on him. You know you can't put Denzel Burke on him. Like you're you're figuring some of this stuff out. So. Let's like, again, that, that is a potentially gigantic role and it just, it, again, sometimes the clouds part and the sunshine comes down, Nathan, and people say things and it makes you feel like all is right in the world. And that was, that was one of those moments. Tell me if this is going too far. You can, you can ask Jim Knowles this next time. Cause I know you're big on talking to him about naming these positions. Mm. The bullet, bullet has had its moment. I think it's passed. Yes, this is essentially still going to be the nickel safety. It's just going to be a bigger guy playing nickel safety. One of your bigger safeties playing nickel safety. So you should call it the Buffalo nickel because you're taking a big beast and putting it on the nickel. Oh, no, I know people. I mean, they've been definitely big nickel is a concept, right? That that's a thing. Buffalo nickel is um, (laughs) Stephen. Stephen does just like (laughs) it's just like defensive and defensive tackle. Mike will Sam. Strong safety, free safety, nickel safety corner. It, what's so hard about that? It, and if you have, if you have, if the other, if the offense has four receivers in the game, and then you put in another safety, then that guy is the Susan the B. Anthony dollar. Listen, Susan I mean, B. Anthony dollar. 
He's the I'm, dime. I'm trying to help He's these making guys. A joke. You took my joke. I'm trying to help these guys buy their Xboxes and whatnot. If he, if the Buffalo nickel thing catches on now, he's got a BW three endorsement. Now it's just, it's off and running. No, Court Williams likes wings as we've established. So maybe he would like to have a wings endorsement. Yeah. I just love how this pod is now doubling as an NIL idea, you know, birthing place. Yeah. Yeah. We're like an incubator for NIL concepts yeah like we could be in silicon valley well they're making the midwest of the, the silicon valley of the midwest is going to be just outside columbus mm-hmm. so we'll we'll get a building there and we'll just come up with nil concepts and the cat i saw i was at a convenience store today by the way i got gas for 309 today i don't know if it was a misprint I, it was great uh there was a bitcoin atm in my convenience store yeah. and, and there's like a big sign on it that says like does not dispense money and it was like, no, it doesn't dispense it. It only takes it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put your money in this thing. It will take your money. And that's the end of the transaction. <laughs> oh, it's like one of those you get a star chart. Oh, we named a star for you. That's what Bitcoin. <laughs> I, I, I'd never seen yes. it. Bitcoin, a Bitcoin ATM. <laughs> A Bitcoin ATM in the convenience store. This does not dispense money. Then what are we doing here? I just want to know what are we doing here? Of, who is getting rich off of crypto? Because the all people the at the top, the people who invented it's it. It's like like the commercials will have like athletes in it, and the whole commercial is the athlete going, "No, I actually can't tell you anything about crypto because I don't know anything either. Yeah, I'm just here because they paid me to be in this commercial. <laughs> I gotta." But- but now I'm very confused. Like, if it doesn't dispense money, I, I don't I'm not, know. I'm not taking a physical Bitcoin in there. That's the whole point, right? I don't know. But it's, it's like turn, it's to turn your money into Bitcoin. So I have to, what I money? Have to, I put in a twenty, and it turns it into Bitcoin. Yeah. Or then, just give my credit card uh, number, okay. my social thought, security number. I thought like I had to show up at a shell station with a thumb drive with a bunch of Bitcoin loaded on it. No. I don't know. It'd be like no. so. I got a at that same convenience store. I I I got a Diet Coke. But it was empty. And on the bottle, it said <laughs> Diet Coke bottle does not contain Diet Coke. It's it's Diet Coke Bitcoin. It's like, oh, well, no. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I, later, I'll get later a picture. Later, it might have some Coke in it that might just fill up magically. I'll get but a picture. Likely, it's not, though. It's a, I'll get a picture of Diet Coke in my email, and that'll be my Diet Coke. Okay. I feel much better making fun of Bitcoin now. I've, I've always made fun of it because I didn't understand it. But now I feel better making fun of it because it doesn't seem to be going so well. So I don't I feel like I'm missing out. The more I understand it, the more I make fun of it. Yeah. So, and if you have Bitcoin, best of luck. I just hope you didn't get it in a convenience store. <laughs> hey, Hey, where'd you get that? Uh, where'd you get that stock? I got Cheetos. I got a diet Sprite. And I also got my investment. I was over at circle K. Gas was 309. All right, quick break. When we come back, more defense on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
All right, Nathan Baird, what else? 614-350-3315. You guys know what it's for. What else, Nathan? You know, linebackers right off the top, and we had already seen what the rotation was going to be. I guess, are we talking linebackers now? No, we're, we're know, still doing the Jim Knowles overview, the Jim Knowles okay. overview, because he did talk the entire defense, right? He did, yeah. So I guess maybe we'll put a, a pen in linebackers. We'll come back to that. Uh, so, Stephen, you asked about the defensive front situation and what we saw at practice the other day and how closely that does correlate to what they're doing. It sounded like he wasn't. And be specific, what do you mean by what we saw? Well, as far as having all four young guys in okay. uh, with what looked like the first string defense. Steven, I think you got some clarification on that, either from the answer he gave you there or later. Yeah, it was that, but then also like how they were splitting up the safeties and the linebackers. He said all of it was nothing. Uh, the, they're rolling guys on the defensive line, and so it really doesn't matter if you're first, second, or third. All those guys are going to play, whether it's in the interior or on the edge. And then the the way they were doing the safeties and line, they have them split up by their position, obviously. So if you're a bandit or you're an adjuster or a nickel or whatnot, but everybody's doing all the drills. It's just because we're only out there for 30 minutes, we only get to see people doing part – one half of the drills. And so you leave that thinking, oh, they've got all the playmakers doing playmaking things. Well, the playmakers had to go do some of the do your job stuff too, while this do your job guys had to do playmaker stuff too. So it was, he said it no. And so when I went over to talk to him off on the side, if, I just basically said, if it's no, then tell me why I'm wrong. So I don't keep telling people the wrong thing. And that's how he explained it is everybody's doing everything. It's just, just like any practice, you're going to have guys split up by their positions. Yeah. I don't believe it. What else? <laughs> So uh, continuing, let us, let us watch the whole practice. Then, then yeah, literally, the whole just, it, it's literally one of those things. If you would have just let us watch the whole practice, we would have had a better understanding. It would have better out. informed our people. Yeah. Continue I also, I mean, it's also, it's also didn't exactly explain what they were doing there, but it's fine. They had four guys in one group and eight in another. That's why that's yeah. what stood out about it. It's like, well, it's not even, and some guys are getting double the reps here. It seems like they're doing something anyway. Yeah. yeah he, but he did talk a lot and talk up the, the, defensive line and then the rushman and what they're getting out of that in practice. He said that when they go third down seven on seven stuff, it's different than when they go third down um, with both lines in there because of, I guess just w- the way that defensive line comes off the ball and, and goes after guys. And um, he, the way I think the exact quote was something like unleash, we unleash them and we're going to find ways to unleash them um, the way they get after the quarterback and get after the run game. Like it, So the things that you would want to hear him talking about now, if you're an Ohio State fan about just the, the, the front being um, aggressive and uh, difficult to go up against in practice, he is saying those things. Now, I think we tend to hear that a lot in the preseason, but um, it, it's notable that that he is talking up the defensive line in a way that maybe he isn't talking up for instance cornerback yeah he was talking about sometimes obviously they'll let quarterback scramble and make a throw just so the quarterback gets that rep but then when they'll go back and watch the film it's like oh if we were live we would have got the quarterback here and i thought it was interesting it was i think a nod of respect to larry johnson that he sort of was saying that's kind of larry johnson's territory but when we're doing those reps I'll look at the coverage. He said, I'm worried about the coverage. That's the back seven. That's what I'm thinking about. But then after a couple seconds, like the clock in your head, I'll look to see what's happening in the backfield. And our guys are swarming the quarterback. And it's like, well, they did what they were supposed to do. So it does feel like uh, a good relationship there. And, you know, Larry Johnson knows what he's doing. I, like I said, I was kind of 
bopping around a little bit. Um, I anticipated, I almost was going to ask about the Jack Leo thing. Cause I feel like it's the number one thing that we ask Jim Knowles about, but I thought, well, that's probably been covered. But Nathan, there weren't six questions about who it is, how they're working it in, how much they're going to use it early in the year, all those kind of things. It was not a heavy Jack Leo, which again is the hybrid stand-up defensive end. He said, we'll call up the Jack now. Once we're experts at it, we'll call up the Leo. We think it's Jack Sawyer as the first guy up there, but we're not exactly sure. But we didn't get a ton more information about that. No, I mean, it was asked the way he addressed it was they're still working on it um, and exactly how they're going to implement it. And that, uh, you know, they have he thinks they have depth as far as their options of who to use there. Obviously, Mitchell Melton was a guy who was getting in the mix there, was had been moved around a little bit to better utilize him there. And then he gets hurt in the spring. But even without him, like you said, Jack Sawyer, other guys, they're, they're going to have options as to who they want to utilize there. So defensive line is next week. It's just interesting because we're he, Jim Knowles is the defensive coordinator, so he was talking about everything. But the position players we got were linebackers. So like we we haven't had a chance to ask Zach Harrison or Jack Sawyer or Caden Curry or any number of those guys that may or may not be involved in that kind of thing. So we'll probably have to wait for that. Well, yeah, and it's also maybe it will seem like a missed opportunity because I don't know from Larry Johnson's standpoint, like who has purview over the Jack Leo position? Is that still Larry Johnson's position to coach or does it fall more under Jim Knowles' yeah. guidance? I mean, I would assume, I mean, they're not in the linebacker room. No. So I would assume it's defensive it's line. Right now, no. So, uh, yeah. But at the same time, there have been times when the Jack and Leo are going off and doing the seven on seven stuff while the West of the defensive line is working with Larry Johnson. So, yeah. Might have been good to ask some of these questions of Jim Knowles while the defensive coordinator talked for half an hour. Just because he says, I don't know, hammer him, hammer him with the jack. Oh, with the jackhammer or the Leo hammer, as it may be. So we'll have to figure out. We'll have to get the players to tell us because, I mean, this is like how much that's going to be in effect. We know it's come. We know it's a work in progress, but that's sort of been the whole thing. Well, spring, okay, you're only doing it a little bit, but like the season's coming. The season's in three weeks. Are you going to be doing it? And if so, with who? So we'll have to, we'll have to. And I wonder, we're like, what if Larry Johnson is like, ah, Jack Leo, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's really Jim Knowles' thing. And Larry Johnson's like, yeah, we, he thinks we're doing that, but like, we're not really doing it. We're just, we tell Jack to stand up like every 10th snap to make everybody happy, but we're, we're good. We're good. We'll just, we're going to do the things that work here. We'll be fine. We, we do get Jim Knowles again before the end of the spring or the f- preseason. Head coach of the defense. Nothing every week at this point, nothing is above your pay grade when you're the head coach of the defense. Okay. Is there that's so that's the defensive line. Everybody's happy corners, a guy's limping safeties court Williams. Woo. So that means we can talk linebackers and Nathan, it feels like we know who the two starting linebackers are going to be against Notre Dame. Like I, not that we didn't know it, but as always, the whole point of this is we say stuff for four months. Uh, what do we know? And then the people who are actually in charge, when they say it, that's different. And Jim Knowles kind of said it. Well, yeah, obviously this uh, preseason we've seen in drills that Tommy Eichenberg at Mike and Steel Chambers at Will had been in front of the groups that have been going through. Even when they go three wide, those two guys have been 
um, g- leading those drills. And he said right off the bat today, Tommy and Steele have really been solidifying things at linebacker. So that tells me, I think earlier when we talked about this, I said stabilize. And actually I was wrong. It's solidifying. And to me, that's like an even more descriptive word, an even more confident word to say about those two guys. It's not just like they're, because last year, Steel Chambers kind of stabilized things. Like he gave them someone on the field that they felt they could leave on the field for the next game, which they were struggling with a little bit early on at linebacker. And then, but now to say solidifying things at linebacker, that to me is a little bit, it's just like a harder word. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just stabilized. It's like solidified. It's like, there's more of a foundation. Yeah, no, like be like, hey, come hold this. Come stabilize this. It's like, hey, come hold this I need so that I can deal. solidify it. I'm going to nail something into it to solidify it while you stabilize it. So I do think solidify is a step above. Again, three classes in linguistics in college, three classes in linguistics, which is the study of the evolution of language. And I like to remind my wife that I did that and then she punches me. All right, so that that's not a surprise, Stephen, but it matters. What's like another interesting, there's like nine dudes. By the way, I thought maybe we'd get CJ Hicks on Tuesday. I was wrong. My whole theory of Jim Knowles saying, if I can't trust him to talk, I can't trust him to play. He was like, no young guys are talking. So we got five. We didn't get Gabe Powers. We didn't get CJ Hicks. We didn't get Reed Carrico. We didn't get Chip Trainum had like a Chip train or something. Chip Trainum. Um, so we got the other five. We got the other five. So what 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 else caught your ear, Stephen? Honestly, something he said that wasn't even about a linebacker yet. We'll see how he physically transforms over the next three years. But I asked how Sonny Styles was doing over the first month and a half that he's been here as the other five star future superstar on this team and he started chuckling at first as and gushing basically gushing about Sonny Styles. He said that there was a practice where he literally ripped a ball away from a running back and said that he doesn't really remember yelling at him about anything unless it's good things. So we're two months into the Sonny Styles is here a year earlier than he's supposed to be and it's going very, very well for a guy who doesn't turn 18 until November. So is it expected that Sonny Styles is going to grow into a linebacker? Or what do you think his position here is going to be in the Jim Knowles defense? Honestly, the way we have discussed what Court Williams might be able to do against Notre Dame, I think Sonny Styles can just be that regardless of who you're playing because he's that style of athlete where it's like he's that good of an athlete where you don't have to take him off the field for a package. Yeah, but but that's but if you're playing a team that has three wide receivers, that that's not a spot in this defense though. Like court Williams takes over that nickel safety spot. Like what, what? So he's, he's a band he's, he, long-term. Uh, if he stays at safety, he's probably, he's the bandit, the playmaking position, but he's six four two fifteen. So if he put on another 30 pounds and just turned himself into a wool linebacker, he could do that too. But what do you think it'll be? So he could be Von Bell. He could be Ryan Chazier, Von Bell, as a playmaking safety, Ryan Shazier as a playmaking will linebacker. What do you think yes. is more likely? Just because of how Jim Knowles talks about this is a safety-driven defense, I think they would like him to stay at safety okay. long-term. Okay. I, I Yeah. I, the one thing that gives me pause is when you talk about a 215-pound 17-year-old who is 6'4". Like, that's just a frame. Yeah. It seems like it could bulk, man. It, it is, but he one, he doesn't look like he's 215 pounds. He looks like he's a lot skinnier than that. He wears that extremely well. And he's 
a bit of a freak athlete. And I, it's the the only the problem is the only person you can compare him to is the person that you you kind of get sick of comparing it to because that's such an outlier and that's Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, who was basically okay. Clemson's everything. Guess, but that's I guess that that's an interesting question to ask. If Isaiah Simmons were in this Jim Knowles defense, where would he play? Would he would he more often than not line up as a will linebacker? Would he more often than not land up mm-hmm. as a line up as a bandit safety? Would he more often than not Think. be the Leo Jack? like defensive end who's roaming and doing stuff. Yeah, because he was 6'4", 240, 238 by the time he graduated. So I think I think he would probably be a Will linebacker in this defense, and you would maybe then C.J. Hicks ends up as a Mike. So See, he starts but, thinking of it that way, but I don't know because I it's, – It's one of those things because, again – I want to see yeah, – let's have this conversation after we've seen them play a football game and we actually see how these safety that's linebackers no, that's, work. No, that's – no, we're doing it right. No, <laughs> we are putting, say, Sonny Styles and CJ Hicks in their long term positions where they will be in oh, the 2020 24 defense right now. Now, let's just one of these things you can get a picture of a Mike linebacker in your head, but you just need a guy who like understands the defense. He can also be a devastating athlete, right? Like, it's, yes. it's it, like James Laurinaitis wasn't. A middle linebacker, and then the beginning of his sophomore year, we showed up. He's like, oh, "I'm the middle linebacker." It's like, "Oh, okay." And now you're the middle linebacker. And you don't have to only catch running backs if you're a middle linebacker. You can yeah. destroy people. So you could have playing in space, doing it all, Sunny Styles at will, and heart, brain, also crazy athlete, middle of the defense, CJ Hicks next to each other, and say, "We got it." See, I think. I'm trying to find a way to get those two plus gay powers all on the field together. And so that's why I'm inclined to say Sonny's the bandit. CJ is the will and gay powers is the mic one, because yeah. there are like CJ and Gabe are already lining up there as the third string guys there. And then CJ's, I mean, not Sonny is already a safety, but it's like, I could see that if that's all, all three of those guys are on the field and it's 2024 safety and your two linebackers and they just don't come off the field. Yeah, no, that, that probably is more likely than Sonny Styles growing into a Will linebacker. But it's like the Court Williams conversation again. It's like he's two fifteen because they told him to be two fifteen. Yeah, if they told Court Williams to be two thirty four, he'd be two thirty four. Like I, I think, and probably, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just kind of think he actually might be more natural in two thirty than he is at two fifteen. But like, it's fine. They're the coaches. It's fine. They also the coaches at Ohio State never put Baron Browning in the right position ever, 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 ever. Ever, but I'm not saying that's happening here. I'm not saying that's happening here. By the way, I had, oh, I'll save it after the break. I had a moment. I had a moment. So, something that a linebacker said on Tuesday that just took my breath away. We'll do it next on Buckeye Talk. All right, running through some of the other linebackers. Again, the guys we talked to, Tommy Eichenberg, Cody Simon, Neotote, Taraja Mitchell, Steel Chambers, right? Those were the five we talked to. We didn't get Carrico, Powers, Hicks, or Trainum. Talking to Taraja Mitchell, who, again, is just, has such a sunny disposition for a guy whose career has not gone how he expected it would go. And, and listen, he had a chance to play last year, and he didn't play well enough. I mean, like, that's, you know, we don't have to sugarcoat that. You know, I was talking to him after. He's, he's a big-picture thinker. He's got he he majored in merchandise and retail. 
kind of stuff. He and then now he has this clothing brand. He is a he is a guy who's got some stuff planned for the future. Who's also trying to help Ohio State win football games in his fifth year at Ohio State. But we were sort of talking about like, man, Taraja, you've been here a while. You've been through it all, right? You've really gathered some football knowledge. And he was like, yeah, you know, I've been coached by Bill Davis. Al Washington, Jim Knowles. And like, when you say Bill, it's like, say Bill Davis's name. I had not heard somebody in that building say Bill Davis's name in a long time. And uh, wow, that put, it's like, it just made me think is Taraji Mitchell in his eighth year, Bill Davis. But no, that is just, that is real life that there are linebackers in this world on this team who were coached by Bill Davis at Ohio State. Taraja, I don't know what's going to happen, Nathan. I just, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to sort of be different this year, but that is a guy I think you want in your locker room. You know, I think it's, it's, it's a, I I was double checking this and I think it's right. It's worth a story that we'll do at some point. It's not a unique story. You guys know how many 2018 recruits are left on the roster? I think four. And they're all defense. No one's offense. Sounds about right. Yeah, I think it's eight. It's it's surprising. It's like Proctor, JJB, Teron Vincent, Taraja Mitchell, Cam Bab, um, just like a Matthew Jones. Right, that's at least six. But I just ran through it while we were talking to Taraja Mitchell. I think it's eight, and so that's quite a thing. That's not easy in this world. You got a COVID year. You have the transfer portal. And these guys are sticking around. So you say Friday. Friday, he's seven. Cage that year. Mm-mm, he's sixteen. That's it. Uh, no, okay. Vincent, Taraja. Yep. Matthew Jones. Three. Josh Proctor. Four. Cameron Babb. Five. Tyler Friday. Six. Javante Jean Baptiste. Seven. Yeah, it is eight. Cameron Brown. Cam Brown. Oh, Cam Brown. Eight. Mm-hmm. More than you would think. More than you would think. Five years in. Five years in. Right. That's not for a, for a number two class in the country that just never really had that kind of impact. That that many guys are still here. Is, I think it's a credit to a lot of those guys, and they can form a foundation of sort of veteran presence, even though it's not going to be on the field. Nathan, I just don't. I just don't know where it's going to go for Taraja Mitchell. I'm not. I'm not doubting him. I'm just trying to observe how things went last year and observe the room now. And then we have a conversation about how even against the teams where it feels like you could play three linebackers, the third linebacker is going to be court Williams. And I just don't know where, where the playing time comes from. So I asked him at the table interviews and then pulled him aside later to ask him about what we had said on the pod last week about how he seems to potentially be in a Justin Hilliard like situation. Now you're right. If court Williams emerges, that kind of scuttles that, but we had, Definitely, you could see, and I, I asked him about this concept of like, you know, Justin Hilliard might have had the biggest impact relative to his small amount of snaps of anybody that I've covered in the, the you know, going on to my fourth year with this program. And like, what do you, you know, do you see a, a similar opportunity for you? And he said, well, first of all, 
like I'm still trying to be a starter. So, you know, that's, I think as an athlete, you keep that fight going. Right. And that's how you have to keep your edge. But one of his other big, and I'm writing about this for the morning, one of his other big things, because I started, he started to use some of the same language that Tyreek Smith did when, when he and I sat down and had a conversation last year about, man, I can really see it went by so fast and I can see the end coming. And, you know, this, this season's going to be over before I know it. And I've really got to cherish this. And we're talking about kind of how do you leave a legacy behind? And he said, well, one of the things I'm doing is I'm taking this young pup under my wing. This, this guy, uh, CJ Hicks, <laughs> as if like me, maybe you've heard of him. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, CJ Hicks. And about how like he, you know, Taraji Mitchell was very high on that list of guys you just named, Stephen, because you were, you were reading down the list of prospects. He was a top 50 national prospect in that 2018 class. And CJ Hicks comes in as a top 10 guy. And I think Mitchell looks at him and sees what's there and what can be just let loose on college football and what can he do? They're, they're rooming together at the Hyatt. Um, what can he do by watching film with him, by just kind of getting in his head? How can he get his football mind set correctly so that then he can go out and use those skills, that body, most efficiently, most effectively, most lethally, however you want to say it? That really seems to be one of Taraja Mitchell's, as much as he still wants to have his moment, he sees the impact he can make as a, a fifth-year senior on sort of setting this course for CJ Hicks in the right direction. Which is a, what a great legacy that would be, you know, CJ Hicks is an all American in 2024. And he's talking about how Taraji Mitchell set him on the right path kind of stuff. Right. I did. Again, I think Taraji Mitchell has sort of like a CEO head coach kind of mindset. He's, I think he's charismatic. I think people listen to him. I think he carries the burden of that pretty easily it's it's part of who he is and i i just don't know if the football is going to work out in a in a super meaningful way this year but it feels like a kind of guy who you know we talk about all this stuff there's 85 scholarship guys only 22 starters it's like take advantage of your opportunity and he you know he's not giving up on football by any stretch but he's taking advantage of his opportunity because he sees what's out there and you're a captain of a group of 115 young men and people are looking at you for motivation and that translates to the business world man so um great really interesting person and it sometimes just doesn't quite go the way you think and i i just i'm curious to see how this all shakes out because the room is fascinating um ian neotote pay Really interesting said it's like he's on his fourth defensive coordinator because he had multiple mm-hmm. at USC. He's had multiple here. He's like, every time I kind of get comfortable and it's kind of another new guy. And so again, like very upbeat, very hopeful, trying to find a role. But again, Steven, like he had, there were times last year in his case, at least throughout the season, you would look and it would be like, well, this is an incredibly critical third down at this point in the game. And it's like, and he's on the field. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in this, like maybe third down Sam roll or something a little wrinkly, but he's out there. Maybe we'll see that again, Steven, but I also, I'm not a thousand percent sure what his role looks like this year. I feel like this is an EA Court Williams discussion because that's, I mean, if, if, if Court Williams is out there against Notre Dame, that's who spot he's taking is that Sam Leichenbacher spot in that role specific role to that where they're trying to not put the three linebackers on the field. That's who spotty's taking off. So it's, 
you're right. He was on the field a lot of times. I did not realize he had four different defensive coordinators in his career. That's kind of ridiculous for, I understand that's what happens in the NFL sometimes, but these are still kids and they're not used to that, uh, which is part of why his career has panned out the way it has to this point. But it's a nail tote court Williams discussion. And I think the Notre Dame game is going to answer which way Jim knows wants to lean, but more importantly, which of those two groups is impressing more? Is there a Sam linebacker who's impressing enough to where Jim Knowles feels comfortable putting them out there? Or is Court Williams just that good in that role that you can't take him off the field against Notre Dame or Wisconsin or Iowa or whoever else plays like that? Tommy Eichenberg. We sort of Tommy Eichenberg is not the most comfortable person in the world talking to the media. He, he gave, he, he pushed himself on Tuesday to talk. I said, I think sometimes his instinct is to give a 10 word answer. And he knew that. And he gave a 30 word answer, but Jim Knowles had said sort of right at the top, Nathan, in that discussion about Eichenberg and steel chambers, it's like, why are those the two guys? And he was like, Tommy Eichenberg rarely makes mistakes. So then this is all that reporting is. Somebody says something, then you walk over to the other person and you say, Hey, this person just said this about you. What do you think of that? And that's really good in baseball. When I was a baseball writer and somebody in one clubhouse would say something, then you'd walk out in the hallway and go to the opposing clubhouse and then say, hey, this guy just said this about you. And then it was like, oh, this is obviously positive. So I was like, hey, Tommy, your defensive coordinator position coach just said you rarely make mistakes. Like When you hear that, how does that make you feel? And Tommy Eichenberg immediately was like, oh, I make mistakes. Every mistake is an opportunity to learn and get better. So I'm not going to tr- go out there and you know try to avoid mistakes. I, I make mistakes and it's part... It's like, he just said you didn't make mistakes. It's like it, trying to give Tommy Eichenberg a compliment. It's like trying to push together like the two magnets that are uh, opposite poles or whatever. It's like they will not go, Tommy. So then we were walking. I was like, you know, hey, you're not like, that's he's saying some nice stuff. And he, you know, he's, he's not going to do it publicly. Yeah. But Jim Knowles likes this guy. But it's like he says you don't make mistakes. And he's like, no, I do make mistakes. <laughs> Let me be clear. I do make mistakes. But um, you it's just it's the thing we've talked about a million times. And again, like Tommy Eichenberg's going to take that on. It's very clear he's going to take that on. And he's he just is. He's the guy we think he is. He's the guy who is like, I'm just going to like drive myself like a maniac and try to please the defensive coordinator. I just want to be a fly on the wall for a linebacker meeting to see what he's like, because he's so tough. Portland. First of all, you want to get him talking about something, ask him, does he like doing interviews? And he goes, no, I hate this, but no, I know well, it's, that's a, it's, it's Tommy it's Eckenberg the, hates, hates saying the yeah. things he's saying in this story. <laughs> yeah. Can't, but it's just, like <laughs> yeah, you can't, it's just that. Cause I remember tough Portland was the same way, but then they put out this video. I remember when they put the highlight video for the sugar bowl and he's given this speech in the, and at halftime, it's like, oh, that's why you were a three-time captain. That speech is yeah, why, because yeah, yeah, we yeah, don't get yeah. to see that. So it's like with Tommy Eichenberg, it seems to be the same concept because all the players and the coaches talk about him the same way, that he's this big-time leader in the locker room and all this stuff. It's just he gets around us and wants to do none of that. So it's another situation. I would love to see a Tommy Eichenberg speech one day just so I can get a better understanding of that's what they're talking about with Tommy Eichenberg because he's never going to give it to us. Yeah, good player. Like like what they want, what they want. I don't know if it's what every fan or every media member wants in a middle linebacker, but we've seen it more than a few times. It's kind of what Ohio State, I think, wants in a middle linebacker. Cody Simon, interesting. 
coming off the shoulder surgery at the end of last year, was really talking about the idea that like he just was not right for multiple years. He said going back to high school, it wasn't a moment. It was an accumulation and he just kind of played with it. And that's who he was. He was a guy who played with a bum shoulder. And so I'm always fascinated. It's like, well, well, you're a guy who played with a bum shoulder, Nathan, and now your shoulder's fixed. What might that be like? And so I think that's out there for Cody Simon. Um, again, upbeat, like eager to have this opportunity was not making excuses. Uh, you know, I tried to sort of ask a version of that of, hey, you know, like, everybody's kind of banged up, but you seem like you're like a real injury that was maybe not allowing you to be who you want to be. And he was like, well, you know, I just, I had to get used to it. It's like, okay. But I, I think that's for fans, Nathan, it's always interesting of like, maybe what you thought this guy was, wasn't exactly who he is because his shoulder hurt all the time. And now it doesn't hurt anymore. Right. And again, even with that shoulder, he was the one that they picked to be the starting Mike linebacker most of last season over Tommy Eichenberg who is now the guy getting the accolades and pushed up there. And, you know, he had talked about when I saw him at the Rose Bowl that it was a thing that had just – the time had kind of come and it made sense from a scheduling standpoint to get it taken care of. And one thing I like about Jim Knowles is when we ask him about players – especially at this juncture of his career, it's very predictable that he's not going to kind of get over his skis as far as, I mean, he'll tell you what he knows or he'll tell you he doesn't know. And with Cody Simon, he didn't see him all spring. And now today he's, when he's asked about Cody Simon, he's talking about his acumen, his football intelligence, his toughness. Um, But that he now, because he took that time off because of the injury, the rust is still getting knocked off a little bit. There's still things with timing and and making the run fits that aren't coming together quite yet for him, which again is one of the reasons why Tommy Eichenberg has been able to establish himself so much as the starting Mike probably for the season opener. But I, I still like Cody Simon's potential to make a contribution on this defense long-term. It just seems like for him long-term thinking career-wise, he had to get this done at this time and it's probably cost him a little bit coming into this year, but we'll see what that means over the next five months. That sounds really similar to Julian Fleming's story because Julian came here with a bum shoulder already messed up and then he didn't get it fixed until two years into his time here. I wonder how many other players have like store stories like that, where it's just, they had a lingering thing from high school that was not really that big of a deal that it kept you off the field, but eventually you get to a point where you're 20, 21 years old, and all of a sudden it's like for the first time you actually handle it and go take take care of that. And how does that help your career going forward? It's it's hard to step aside, I think. It's a tough choice to make. And when you think about it, like you come in, you've got this thing, you're a little bit banged up, but you can play through it. It hurts. There's a difference between being hurt and being injured. So you're hurt, but are you injured? Like you can still play through it. If you need <laughs> surgery, you're injured. Right. Yeah, but, but, but it, he didn't I, necessarily need surgery, I guess, the whole time. It, it, I, what it is, is it's because he said the word accumulation, which means he probably heard it, but could keep playing on it. And he was still at a point in his, in his life where he's still trying to get offers and make a name for himself and move up the rankings. And so he's playing high school football. He's playing 707 football. He's doing all this different stuff. And so you just kind of forget about it. You play through it and you play through it and you play through it. But you can keep banging on it and banging on it and banging on it. And every year you're playing against you know, stronger and tougher guys, like going up against a high school running back and going up against a college running back are not the same level. So all of a sudden now you're in college and you've been dealing with it for two years, but you're also at a college football program who can like help you get, take care of it. 
So it's it's probably just reached the point where yeah. he can no longer play through it, but also he no longer has to because he's not trying to fight his way up a, to get an offer, get a, fight his way up a death chart anymore. Yeah, all I was saying was that like a year ago at this time, even no matter how much it hurts and whether you think it might need surgery, you're also on the cusp of getting a starting linebacker job yeah. for Ohio State. I think that's a tough thing to bow out of, even with the long-term thought. I don't know. No, I think it is an interesting story. I think that would be very interesting to ask that conversation because also like the margins matter at this level. Like mm-hmm. if you could, if you were 86% of yourself in high school, you were still rolling everybody because you were the best yeah. athlete on the field. And here that 14% matters, especially now you're 16%, not yourself. Now you're 18%. And now it's like, hey, this is Ohio State. If I'm 18%, not myself, this guy's going to beat me out or this mm-hmm. running back's going to break my tackle. Like that's, it's a fascinating I think that'd be a fascinating thing to ask guys in that position about the But also you're worried that if you're out, you're forgotten. And more importantly, you're past on the death chart. So I think it's really interesting. Uh, Steel Chambers, I was at a little bit. Um, again, like he's kind of their guy. I, I think it's fair to think about Steel Chambers and Chip Trainum kind of in tandem. Chip Trainum lost his black stripe. Both former running backs playing linebacker now, but I was doing a thing where I was asking all the linebackers, like, hey, who's the fastest linebacker? Who's the strongest? Almost everybody said Chip Trainum was the fastest, and some of the guys said Chip Trainum was the strongest, which seems like a good combination. He just has not played a lot of linebacker yet. So he remains super interesting that if you're if your will linebacker depth chart is Steel Chambers is the starter as a former running back turned linebacker who's done it for a year now. The second string guy is a running back turned linebacker who has never played linebacker, but maybe is a better athlete than Steel Chambers. And then the third string linebacker is a true freshman five star who everyone says is going to explode, but he's a true freshman. Like it's, it is Nathan, it is stack, stack, stack. And, but you can see, why it is what it is now, but it also makes you wonder how long will it stay that way? But again, Jim Knowles is saying still chambers is solidifying things. Yeah. And everybody who is talking big things about CJ Hicks is saying it in the context of even young guys have stuff. They've got to figure like every young guy has stuff. They have to figure out no matter how talented they are. So I'm not thinking he is pushing his way up the depth chart in the next three weeks, but just, I mean, you're right. That stack, those three guys, like, is that the most athletic three deep at will linebacker in the country? Oh, I don't know. Don't go to Alabama the, yeah, and ask that question. Yeah. I don't. I don't I, know if the word I, athletic maybe, is what. I, maybe unique is the word I would use, but not necessarily athletic. I mean, Steel Chambers was like wasn't a top one hundred national recruit. I think like yeah. he, it's 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 quite a thing to be able to play two different positions in major college football at Ohio State. I'm not, but I think it's interesting in that I think if you said upside potential, right, rank those three guys. It's Hicks is one, maybe Trainum's two, and Chambers is three. It's but literally if, the the opposite order of what the depth chart is, right? But now. if you did, if you did like experience, it's mm-hmm. Chambers is one because he's played linebacker in college football. He's a starting linebacker for Isaiah Taylor. Trainum's two because he's played college football. I just was running back, and then Hicks is three because he hasn't played yet. But but none of them are as established as you would expect a will linebacker to be, which is I've been a will linebacker in college for three years. It's like the most experienced guy, Nathan, has still only done it for yeah. kind of less than a year or barely or like a year oh. slightly plus. Yeah, it's like, what, 13, 14 months ago, none of these guys were college linebackers. Right. 
And now they're the three will linebackers, like the three playmaking linebackers for Ohio State. So uh, all these things, listen, we talked to five guys. There's nine in the mix. There's probably, I don't know. Like if we, if we're, we're going to have to do over-unders, it's like how many linebackers will play at least 250 defensive snaps or something, right? I, I'll, I don't know. Like, and how many snaps, who will be, who will lead Ohio State in linebacker snaps and how many will that be, right? I, I think there's a lot of discussion around that. You talk to a bunch of guys, they're all trying their best. They're all hopeful and excited, but almost, I mean, I don't think it's an almost, they all have a degree of uncertainty. There are a bunch of guys who have not, who have barely played the position, who have been starters and lost their jobs, who have transferred, who are freshmen. Like there is nobody who's a sure thing here. Cause like the two guys that Jim Knowles says are solidifying it. One's played linebacker for 14 months and the other one, Kind of played last year, then kind of lost his job, and then kind of got it back. And was, but like against certain teams is really good. But I don't, I mean, Tommy Eichenberg is not Chris Spielman, right? So, I mean, it, it's really, I, I, I enjoyed talking to linebackers and hearing about linebackers on Tuesday. I didn't figure anything out. Like Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, top two guys. Well, that's what we would have thought. So, it's good to hear Jim Knowles say that. That does not, mean to me, Nathan, that Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg are going to lead Ohio State in snaps against Michigan. Right. No, I, I, I'm very intrigued by what could happen progressing there over the course of a year. I wouldn't count Cody Simon out at Mike because we saw it last year. And I, I wouldn't count out just that 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 athleticism below Steel Chambers, um, you know, pushing the, the envelope. It just feels like it's the one position on the other side of the ball where the starters on against Notre Dame and the starters in a national championship game are not at all the same people in any way. I think, I think that's certainly on the table. It's certainly on the table. And like, we're kind of not saying that about defensive end or safety or offensive line or receiver or anywhere else. And again, it's, it's, it's one of these things. And it was uh, obviously there were scheme problems last year. There was also just sort of problems with the level of play at linebacker. I think everybody would acknowledge that. So they don't have to be great. This is kind of like a big conversation around the Browns. It's like Baker Mayfield injured. Baker Mayfield was such a problem last year that just kind of average quarterback play will elevate the Browns because injured Baker Mayfield is below average. I think average linebacker play might be a step up, especially like in a better scheme average linebacker play is an improvement. And if you have pretty darn good defensive end play and pretty darn good safety play and solid corner play and the offense is on fire, average average linebacker play might get it done. So they've got nine guys in the room. They're going to put two guys on the field most of the time. And those two guys have to be average. Does that seem possible? Like, is that, should we anticipate that, Stephen? Or should there be a lot of angst over? I don't know. I don't know. They might be below average. If the D-line is how they talked about it and how we think some of these guys are, and Hancock's healthy enough where the stuff he's dealing with right now isn't a long-term problem and the secondary is really good and the safeties are really good, then yes, you just need average linebackers. It's almost... It, the closer the other three groups are to their ceiling, the closer the linebackers can be to their floor. I mean, Jim Knowles was saying in the spring 
as it related really to the whole defense. If you know, if you make the tackle, that's great. At the very least, you need to be in position. Some of that is just his defensive philosophy. Some of that may have been speaking to things he saw on film last year when he watched Ohio State's defense and he watched Ohio State's linebackers. I think just a a a better um, fundamental approach to football takes this defense a long way and gets it back towards what we're talking about. It just that the the adequacy that it would need to not to to not ruin what this offense could be because that's what happened last year. All right, last thing. And you guys, uh, this was this was this was a Jim Knowles thing. Ryan Day says top ten defense. Jim Knowles gets asked about it. Jim Knowles says top five. Nathan top. Five, and then the players get asked, "Hey, Jim Knowles says top five, and the players say top five, number one." And so, okay, <laughs> great. Again, are you aware of what's happening in the South? Uh, is it worth commenting on, or is it just you believe in your guys well, and whatever? And we're having the same conversation we had when Ryan Day said top ten, and we probably said that's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Jim Knowles first of all has had two weeks since the first tweets went out from Big Ten Media Day to come up with what he was going to say when he was inevitably asked this. So uh, kudos to him. I thought he that was the exact way to do it. Also, though, Jim Knowles had a top five defense last year at Oklahoma State. I, I mean, I think he feels a great deal of accomplishment in that achievement, as he should. And I don't think he wants to just say he's taken a step back to merely being in the top 10. I think this is, I mean, he's proven he can take a team there. Why wouldn't you not want to stay there? So this is all whatever it's 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 all about what you're striving for and not what you actually need to achieve in order to win but it's just re- more reinforcement that um more verbal reinforcement of a standard it's a standard that everyone always talks about there everybody every year is talking about silver bullets and whatnot but you know because of what happened last year and because they cleaned house of the defensive staff that alone I think reinforced the standard that needed to change needed to be upheld going forward. And they're doing it with their words right now. They're going to have to start doing it with their bodies here in three weeks. The top five thing is cool for Twitter. I think the more interesting thing that he said, which is kind of what some of the defensive staff coaches were saying when they first got here in 2019. And he said, I see it across the board. These guys are hungry. They're tired of being pointed at as being deficient in any way. Like, basically saying these guys are sick of the jokes about the fact that this defense has sucked the past two years, which is how that's how the defensive staff talked when they first got here in 2019. They know they sucked last year and they know they've been having to hear about it and they're tired of hearing about it. Now let's yeah. see if it ends up being the same result as 2019 where they were tired of hearing about it and they actually went and did something. I got here the Monday. My first day was the Monday before the first Monday of a game week leading into that, uh, whatever it was, Florida Atlantic in 2019. And yes, players were absolutely tired of getting questions about it already by then. You were getting eye rolls and 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 size or whatever. Like they were done being asked about how much they stunk in 2018. So I, I it is a kind of a palpable motivator, I think, for some guys on this team. And then in 2019, Ohio State said, Chase Young, go fix that. And he right. said, okay. <laughs> so all they have to do it's so, oh, just what a, but again, but maybe they, nobody don't have Chase Young, but maybe they have some guys who can fix it. The scheme has to give them the chance to fix it. And then your talent has to fix it. And so if you think the scheme will give them a chance and then you say healthy Proctor, year two Denzel Burke, 
Here come the sophomore defensive end. Zach Harrison's a good player. The tackles are going to rotate. Steel Chambers knows what he's doing. Maybe. Maybe. And Noel said that, too, that as much as uh, he's he's excited to get back in pads because it's all about finding out who's going to win one-on-one battles. He knows he's there to implement a scheme. He doesn't shy away from that, but he's not so much of a mad scientist. He thinks he can just scheme it up if these guys don't know how to tackle, know how to make their fits, all that stuff. All right. That'll do it for this Wednesday Buckeye Talk. When we get off this pod, it's almost six on Tuesday. I'm going to go to the old tech subscriber machine and I'm going to plug it in. I'm going to dial it up and I'm going to start sending out a text to tell people who you're driving the bus for. That's what the Thursday pod will be. We appreciate it because we don't have interviews on Wednesday. That's so we don't have any like actual like, hey, guys just said this. We got to get back and tell you, tell the People on Buckeye talk what they said Thursday. We have practice Thursday. Yes. Thursday practice and Ryan day. Yes, we do. Actually, I misspoke. We do see the team Thursday morning. Thursday, I believe, is the Big Ten. Yes. uh, Day. So I said that incorrectly earlier when we were talking about um, Hancock. We will see Thursday morning how guys are lining up. So like the Big Ten does its tour where the Big Ten network guys Big Ten Network. Big Ten Network guys come around and they go to every camp. And then we always complain, well, if they get to watch literally the whole practice. And then back in the day, it's like, oh, we can't come to practice. The local media can't come to practice. And the Big Ten Network guys are tweeting out like, hey, just like this guy looks great in practice. It's like, well, what? Like, I guess they paid for it. So I'll be curious how long we get in there. I mean, they don't usually give us the whole time the Big Ten Network guys are there because, again, Cleveland.com is not owned by the conference. So, um, but we'll get some window and we appreciate the windows that we get. So we'll be back with what we on the Friday pod will be what we saw at practice again. There's stuff we're talking about and another round of Ryan day telling us what's up for now. 614-350-3315. Subscribe wherever you listen to the podcasts, Apple, Spotify, a bunch of different places. Read cleveland.com slash OSU and try our YouTube channel putting up YouTube videos during the course of the day where we're doing mini hits four minutes or so. Steven's always very excited when we come in under four minutes. So go to our YouTube channel. You'll get mini versions of this sometimes a little bit quicker for Steven means and Nathan Baird. I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.